Welcome, everyone, to the House of the Dragon podcast, episode one, Reborn from Flame. I am your host, Albert Kessa. This show is part of the Topic Podcast Network, discussing everything together, and this is the perfect time to tell you all that I have been an adherent, a aficionado, a soayaf aficionado, I guess you could do the portmanteau there, since all the way back in 2010. I first came across the book, A Game of Thrones, potentially, it was a while back now, but potentially off of news that the HBO show was in development at the time. I was at a market here in Canberra, where I am based, in Australia, in the Worden market, so any Canberrans listening will know what I'm talking about, and it was just jumped out at me on those, I don't know if you guys know um, the uh, array of books that you would find in these beautiful marketplaces, and I took it up, and I bought it, and I read this book. Um, it was uh, something that gave me a lot of hope for myself, being someone who considers themselves at least with my stuff with the quantum myth, which is a storytelling thing I do, as well as the art stuff I do with Resonant, um, a bit of an atypical storyteller. Um, I found the chapter headings, the idea of there just being characters you flicked back and forth from. I mean, it was the least Tolkienian thing ever. Um, and I relished it. I relished how different it was and how much it distinguished itself from Lord of the Rings, which is another great passion of mine. Uh, they are very much yin and yang. Um, however, I don't feel that uh, one is complete without the other. I think when George R. R. Martin, who we, whose name we'll be speaking of many hundreds and thousands of years from now, alongside the professor, when he uh, developed this, it, it felt like something clicked. And um, we now have both sides, the high and the low, and one truly, truly enhances the other. And in no way more perfect could this be evidenced than with later this year uh, with the <laughs> truly I mean there's a dance of dragons but this is the the, the dance of fantasy behemoths you know um, it will be something truly special to be tuning in every week to these um, I like to say dueling I think friendly competition you know you, you hear the cast and crew out there talking about friendly competition between the two shows the uh, prequel shows um, in the Lord of the Rings instance, it's um, a team that has come together, I believe, making the very first season uh, of um, uh, the Lord of the Rings on screen. Uh, so there's a bit of a sort of uh, reverse situation where the House of the Dragon team have actually made, um, uh, led by Miguel, one of my favorite, <laughs> I guess, storytellers in, 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 in television, led by him telling this uh, immensely... Um, powerful and varied and, and tragic and multifaceted story um, with the benefit of eight seasons of Game of Thrones as, as a backing. Um, from all earliest reports, including from my pal David Lightbringer with his incredible channel, LML, um, Lightbringer means uh, Lucifer. <laughs> um, from his all of his efforts, um, you really do, or rather, uh, Lucifer means light bringer, excuse me. Um, 
with all of his efforts across all of his outlets, uh, from his main channel Mythic Concepts to his streams to uh, a podcast he actually did um, that kind of introduced this perspective which I find so fascinating, the, um, the astronomy of the world of ice and fire. He's a, he's a mythic and, and symbolic astronomy-influenced, eclectic, esoteric man. And um, in no small part do I credit to him um, a lot of what I've been doing with Topic Podcast Network. Thank you, David. His name will always grace the halls of the House of the Dragon podcast for sure. What David's been doing is edifying me deeply and eclectically in a wide-ranging, in-depth way about the um, what we're about to see uh, later this month with House of the Dragon, the world, uh, the characters, uh, this new era, which no one who has uh, steeped themselves in Game of Thrones really knows about, um, um, at least uh, from the perspective of the TV show. So, as I'm not sure if you're hearing this first or seeing the Instagram post first, but um, I'm actually going to be bringing all of you on what I call one of my Westeros walks. Um, here in Canberra, we, we, we're blessed, I guess you could say, for me it's blessed, some people say cursed, but we're blessed with um, this beautiful drear, and I love drear, personally. That's why I quite liked the atmosphere of the House of the Dragon, or rather, Game of Thrones. I like that it's already subconsciously replacing a Game of Thrones in my mind when I, when I think of it. Um, but yes, uh, when you're walking up and down Canberra's bike paths and you see the um, you know, the trees changing colour. Basically, um, you know, Canberra's are the least Australian part of Australia. It's very much influenced by, um, you know, uh, I would say Europe, definitely. Uh, but then Europe, um, it, you know, influenced... Uh, it's actually chiefly influenced by uh, Washington uh, and uh, Lake Billy Griffin, or rather the architect Billy Griffin designed it as, you know, based off of um, uh, what was done with Washington. But that's architecture talk uh um we do like to get eclectic but uh, and and take up you know varied tangents but for this one we'll uh i'll keep myself a bit more i'll rain it in get it rain of fire shout out to rain of fire one of the uh, most underrated starring uh christian bale and matthew mcconaughey 2002 by the way it celebrates its 20th year of existence um we'll probably do a special episode of it of some kind i've got a Rain of Fire podcast, sitting in the wings, get it? Ah, all these wings and uh, dragon puns. But anyway, I've also included in my little outline here on Instagram what I'll be d diving into later on when I complete my kind of chrono chronological telling of, um, of my kinship with A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, we'll be diving into this symbolism of, uh, of burning, burning everything down and starting again in some sense uh, but uh, you can also extend that analogy to um, to the forging of a new weapon melting something down creating it anew so there's a little teaser of what's going to come there but i'm a big fan of chronology and in these introductory episodes for all of the topic podcast shows um, one must begin at the beginning so and that uh, parallels how we're setting forth now so actually getting ready getting geared up i actually do these hikes every day so way back in 2010 um actually i'm not sure if i bought the book but uh then and there but i certainly did you know very shortly after begin reading it whether i borrowed it 
um, from the library. And um, it was most certainly in tandem with the anticipation of the, uh, of the HBO show. Um, and I was in Melbourne at the time, so it's so funny. First point of contact in earnest was Canberra, which is my home, which is also home to so many, you know, kindred, uh, you know, worlds, uh, paracosms, if you will, Zelda, Lord of the Rings. So Game of Thrones officially gets to say that it's part of that, A Song of Ice and Fire, part of that sort of pantheon of things I experienced in this town, which wasn't born here, but it's like my, my spiritual home, existential, physical, emotional, psychological home on planet Earth, on planetos of of uh, the real planetos, planet Earth. That's that's my dwelling. It's my shire, and it's also my wherever the shire is equivalent for you listening in in Westeros. Um, it's a bit uh, trickier, I would say, to find a truly peaceful place in Westeros compared to um, the Lord of the Rings' world, you know, Middle Earth. But uh, I would challenge myself later when I bring on some guests. I'll be asking them, look, hey, where would you set up shop? Who who? who uh, what clan would you belong to? What would your crest be? That's going to be something we do. We do a bit of that. Um, uh, we did some Legacy of Cain stuff recently where I asked them what their clan was, and we'll certainly be doing that for a um, couple of different uh, feeds on the Topic Podcast Network. But I said about reading this, the character that jumped most uh, to me was um, Tyrion, uh, being that I had just come off of a pretty rough patch. I think I had um, I was working as steel in a steel factory at the time. You know, um, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was crazy. I felt like I was sort of forging weapons in a way. But yes, in uh, this uh, suburb of, of Melbourne, um, we would uh, go to the steel steel mill. Steel mill. Um, this is after my army accident stuff. Uh, I was left out on a firing range with no high-vis vest or hearing protection or anything like that. So well, I was in like a couple of years into this like trauma space and like dark jaded space. And I think... Um, it sort of uh, lent itself towards me gravitating finally towards Game of Thrones, which has obviously been around since the uh, since the 90s. Uh, but uh, we tend to discover things when we're ready for them. And in my case, um, I was ready when this sort of concatenation of things happened in my life. So uh, I think uh, anyone tuning into this will probably be able to relate in some way um, to, you know, when we when we discover stories, I always find that fascinating. Um, when we dive into with other guests, you know, including David, uh, who's mentioned jumping on the show, whenever his schedule permits, my gosh, the man's uh, fiercely flying frog brigade, brigade, no, no, fiercely flying, um, frequently uploading and fucking intensely high quality brigade, more like it, for his content. Um, he's busy. Uh, Girl Nettles and, and Grey Waste Tim, they're going to do an amazing post show. Uh, very concise, sure, uh, certainly. And, economy of expression on fleek as the kids would say so for me when you come around to the house of the dragon podcast which by the way sidebar we have the official house of the dragon podcast that's hbo we are the if pressed the community or the house of the dragon community podcast if if pressed but generally we're just the topic podcast that's the whole point of the topic podcast network so same with uh, HBO's other upcoming series, The Last of Us, although that's a game series, uh, first and foremost. Um, and so they had also a uh, the official Last of Us podcast. Well, they have the official House of the Dragon podcast, and we are the House of the Dragon podcast. So, so that's that. And um, yeah, so when you come to me, uh, what I've been doing off of 
maybe even close to coming up to a decade of just podcasting, video making, analysis. I love to come things from as not on on principle, but from an organically lateral point of view and, and really locking in on timeless archetypes and symbolism, which is truly why I stepped into the podcasting sphere in the first place. I just wasn't finding that um, my itch uh, wasn't being scratched, so to speak. So I figured I would, you know, create my own back scratcher uh, or itch scratcher, as it were, because uh, I do like to get, I mean, the negative can sometimes be I prattle a bit. I try and to, to trying more to, to, to reel that in, but um, but it's a it's a safe space uh, when you jump on here. I'm I'm very free out there in the community and comments, being like, hey, if you have these thoughts, these perspectives and theories, please do jump on. I think it always adds to a very rich, very rich conversation and, and um, ongoingly, ever increasingly multifaceted discussion in the uh, community about the show, uh, of which there will be many, and uh, um, it will finally be, you know. Um, a space to to vent and and probably even get uh, get some emotions out because my fiance and I right she and I went through the whole journey of experiencing Game of Thrones and um, uh, there's no talking about it currently as just like with uh, J.K. Rowling there's no talking about that with at least needing to take a bit of a sidebar concerning um, the uh, sadly the creator has uh, you know taken leave of of what uh, of their senses <laughs> but taken leave of of what we all held dear and, and cherished uh, about the series. And um, I would say if we're going to draw a parallel there, we'll look at Hogwarts legacy. Basically, they share the same two letters, H-O, Hogwarts, and then House of the Dragon. Uh, but basically, it is these people who have, um, f- who fully do uh, see the core of what uh, the property is about. Um, and in you know, Wizarding World's case, it's look... Um, let's, let's, we're doing a, a soft reboot on the public's perspective of, um, of the, the, the essence of what this is. And I truly, truly hope in that serious case, just as, a, as I do, and the hope is turning more and more into just surety about it because I keep just hearing from super well-trusted uh, kindred human beings and analysts and, uh, you know, who are like fiercely uncompromising they they're not the sort to be bought out to say such things but david especially he's been mentioning just how much the first episode really gives him so much hope um a sense of something being really distilled to its essence um and then further evolve and, and the truest expression of i mean that's a there's a, i can't remember the name of it but there's a philosophy in in japan about the, the the unending endeavor to find the, the distillation of what something is at its core and that you know is a process that um you know with every time for example like you open a cupboard or, or or put your shoes on or these tiny opportunities to keep iterating and keep trying to get to that you know ultimately i guess unattainable perfection but those people from the game of thrones team they got together and decided to make house of the dragon the ones who just want to keep doing better the furthest the anathema to laziness the anathema to um shortcut taking which was sadly the uh um direction that uh, season eight took um we are a um bastion we are a signal booster to the um season nine (laughs) slash redo of season eight we have big big proponents of that especially with how things are going with the uh, de-aging technology I fully anticipate that uh, um, 
there will be enough interest off of this, especially in tandem with the Go- with the Jon Snow show, um, you know, to to take the opportunity to do some de aging and to to deftly and and elegantly um, make it makes that make those episodes simply a vision, you know, have that uh, have uh, you know a season nine of Game of Thrones begin, uh, you know, imagine the the reality breaking hype of that. They announced season nine. Um, I, I, there's even a chance that Kit was just saying that it's a, a Jon Snow show, show just to get through the door of the pitch meeting. And then he's like, okay, I lied. You know that meme? I'm, in in the, the later video version I do of this, I'll, I'll stick the meme in there. It, you know, it's the girl saying, I don't have Netflix now. We're going to listen to the Mars Volta or whatever. That's on the Mars Volta podcast, which David has also been on that we do here on the Topic Podcast Network, but uh, I, for me, that's Kit, and he said, okay, we're not doing a John of Jon Snow show. We're doing, we're doing season nine, and you're going to make all of that. <laughs> He's got a gun pointed. <laughs> that's, that's the meme. Don't worry. It's not, not that Kit would do that, but we're going to make everything that happened in that last season seriously, literally, one of Bran's visions for the future. There's actually going to be a fully self-aware, however, whatever, they'll... They'll, they'll cop it, I'm sure, from some people being like, well, this is the most meta-reality-breaking, you know, whatever they'll, they'll say, but ultimately all of that will fade away because what it'll mean is that we will finally be able to feel and see and understand what Game of Thrones should have ended as. Um, it should have stayed to its core what George R. R. Martin wanted it to be. And season nine, the apology season, I'm sure some more people will call it, but um, it's, uh, sorry, it's putting on the layers here in Canberra. It's very cold, so you have to put layers on before you head out on your walk. Um, but yes, the apology season, that's a, we, are, we are strong proponents for that, and we might get some eye rolls for that. Certainly, I hope you're not, but uh, stranger things have happened, including the Mars Volta coming back after <laughs> uh, 10 plus years, I'm sure. Um, so... Brace for that. Uh, brace for many things, uh, you know. Um, off of the back of this uh, behemoth that, that will be House of the Dragon. So, and, and now this is... I actually want to tell you this um, very earnestly. Uh, I love dragons <laughs> so much. <laughs> I, um, my star sign is a dragon in 1988, November. Um, there's a, another series that I dearly love to my heart. Uh, my mother introduced me to a few. Uh, I, one is Temeraire, which Peter Jackson actually bought the rights to. I actually strongly suspect Peter Jackson is in the wings waiting to see House of the Dragon, how it goes, and he will jump in there and ring up Naomi Novik and say, look, let's do Temeraire. House of the Dragon was our proof of concept. Uh, the Napoleonic Wars reimagined with a air force of dragons. That's all I need to say. Imagine Bridgerton... Plus, House of the Dragon. That's a brief little kind of, you know, tantalizing, you know, as you're pushing your pram or um, washing your dishes or fixing your car, whatever, to kind of get you in that mind's eye cinema space of um, what that'll be. This is, and back on dragons, this is going to be a uh, a battering ram. It's going to, it's going to knock down... Uh, the same way that True Detective, I think, did with the, the idea of, like, extremely high-powered actors taking that center stage. You know, there was a tangible, palpable feeling with that show against Spearheaded by HBO, who tend to be, 
trailblazers in this space of, of the series, you know, with Sopranos, one of my dearest, most favorite series, next to our own homegrown series here, Rake. Uh, extremely authentic um, and grounded and real uh, series. Obviously, Rake's very, you know, non-fiction with it. It's just like Sydney, basically. But uh, when you're looking at Sopranos, you're looking at Game of Thrones, like no matter what the setting the authenticity of the performances, the, the true to the human soul and, and core of what each figure is going through, that is the blood of these series, and that's what the Double D forgot, um, sadly. So, we're not going to be speaking too much of those two on this show. We're going to be speaking about an amazing, amazing human being <laughs> whose story I really enjoyed uh, hearing about... Um, getting this underway you know um he uh i'm, I'm talking about because i, I want to do like the, the wrestler thing um um he, he shared his story at san diego comic-con recently uh i so loved his um his his uh kinship with george R. R. martin um that he he basically said look hey i'm in town let's 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 meet up let's let's talk it's uh my boy it is ryan condal uh we hope to have on the show at some point i'll make a prophecy why not you know it's house of the dragon it's game of thrones so prophecies are are welcome in this space uh episode 10 let's be ambitious you know we had um uh paul romano i'm looking at my mastodon vinyl now uh he chimed in on episode 7 of the mastodon podcast and uh an exceptional artist who has been you know part of that you know i mean mastodon don't even come on we all know mastodon off of Game of Thrones, they were wildlings. There's so much interconnectivity between these worlds. That's hence why the um, Topic Podcast Network exists. It's about exploring those connections. Uh, I don't know <laughs> who uh, Ryan is a fan of band-wise, but I'm sure we'll have a podcast already in, in, in place for him to, to jump onto if he ever wants. But um, the more eclectic folks, the better when it comes to this stuff, because you really end up coming... Uh, you know, at the material from an angle you truly didn't expect, um, and it is always, always, especially when there's a spirit of, of um, sincere curiosity and wanting to explore, just as, just about as many angles as there are to something as possible. You tend to have this, extremely additive and en enhancing, experience, um, which I've always found podcasts. Uh, uh, you know, for example, Vati Video, my fellow Aussie, um, doing some of the Elden Ring stuff. We have an Elden Ring podcast, and I've always, every time I've recorded, um, and I've, I actually spoke with him back in 2016 when we were at a Dark Souls event together, and um, we, I actually was telling him about a Miyazaki compendium I was putting together. So imagine, you know, the world of Ice and Fire, but I was planning on doing that for the world of Dark Souls. And um, what ended up happening is they made the official compendium. It's perfect, you know, very exhaustive. I still might dive into that later down the line, but... Uh, but um, the idea is that with Vati, for example, like those games become tangibly, palpably um, better from having the accompanying material. Um, you know, the soundtrack show, someone was talking to me on Reddit just about some of the um, music analysis stuff I was doing for House, sorry, for um, The Rings of Power, how Sauron's theme has 10 notes and, uh, you know, composed by Ben McCreary. Um, and uh, the ten notes, you know, nine and one, you know, the one ring governing and dominating the nine. Bear McCreary actually chimed in on Twitter saying, hey, and commented on my theory and said, you know, 
won't confirm or deny anything, but let me just say, we do hide a lot. I am hiding a lot in the scores to this, uh, to this show. And so I highly, highly encourage you, whether it's starting your own podcast, we're not sponsored, but Anchor certainly does make everything very streamlined. You know, this one will go out to um, Spotify later tonight and tomorrow morning it'll be on Apple, even if it's our first episode. It is so additive. It is so enthralling and engaging to to, to rediscover um, what we're going to be doing throughout this episode, that that motivating fire for why you have this kinship for something, any subject. And the um, the the effect of it is is truly like, well, if I was so excited about recording a podcast about something and I went to all that effort to create the art or, or whatever, you know, just that process of immersion and engagement, um, it's uh, it's a very special thing. So um, David, very wisely, he, he just gave me some advice. He's like, make sure not to talk too much about podcasting. And certainly I'm not, <laughs> you know, jumping outside of the podcast for a second and talking about that. That's that's uh, for this little bit, just when it's about you guys and encouraging you to do that, please do. That's just a little mini PSA. And we're back. So we are just about ready. I'm just going to get a scarf and a mask. Um, the mask probably won't stay on because I want to be able to speak clearly with you all. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're just about ready to head off. I'm wearing the, the big headphones, so I think I should be fine. Won't get too cold out there in the, uh, the blustery... Coldness. I don't, it's we're actually warming up here in Canberra, but um, but uh, yeah. When I put this out later, I'd be very curious to know if you guys, um, you know, enjoy going for like podcast walks, so to speak. I try to fit that hike in, you know, um, whenever I can. And and podcasts tend to be pretty ideal lengths for uh, you know, going out and getting the daily walk in, like the hour and a half, so to speak, and all that. So okay. I guess I could just go out with the phone and the keys, if I really think about it. Maybe one extra layer so that I don't freeze. Why not? Okay. Um, okay, so we're still in 2010. Um, you're reading this book, Working at the Steel Mill. And uh, what, what, what happens is that I move back to Canberra. So re- discover it as a book at a Woden Book Fair. Having heard trickles of, of this thing, you know, um, starting to make its way towards being an eventual series again, we lived very much just as House of the Dragon is about to do, um, you know, almost like in Dragon Ball, how they, they do the same thing, but with the, with the weights on, like with these, it has this, um, this skin, speaking of reptiles, this old dead skin of Game of Thrones season eight has to shake that off and take flight. And certainly the flames of this series, in terms of the energy of these, this passion that the creators have, that is going to help that flame, that, that skin shed, and so that this can really, really embark on this brand new endeavor. But winding it all the way back, this was something where it just simply hadn't done before. You know, uh, Middle-earth, so The Sopranos in Middle-earth wasn't a thing. Um, and... As much as I discredit them and penalize them in immensely, intently, for what they did later in the season, I do applaud the uh, seasons one through maybe five of the Double D. They, that's one kind of uh, relationship. That's uh, the people that I knew. Then I don't know what happened to them. They 
transformed, became monsters, who knows? We'll, we'll go into that in, in later episodes, I'm sure. But, um, but those people, how, how they had the gall to, to, to want to go up to Game of uh, Thrones creator and House of the Dragon creator, George R. R. Martin, and, and say, look, we, we, we have this idea for bringing this to life in this, in this way that honors the lowbrow, the low fantasy of what you've envisioned. So I was keeping tabs on it. Um, and uh, back to Canberra, <laughs> back to uh, experiencing a, uh, you know, a, uh, another series, you know. Um, but anyway, we have a little mini special guest. Uh, we're just recording the first episode. It's just me, by the way. House of the Dragon podcast. I'm just about to head out on my... What is your s- small little blow? Because we did record, we did react to a few. And we're going to be doing post shows for each one. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about House of the Dragon. It's like shedding the the reptile skin of season eight, mm-hmm. and how it's no coincidence that Miguel is like literally burning everything down, mm-hmm. like it, with imagery and symbolism, like burning down what Game of Thrones was and like reforging it. Mm. What do you think? Gosh, I hope so. Mm. Um, not not reforging everything that it is, but but. Uh, the direction that the last season took. Mm. Um, I am hopeful and I'm anticipating good things because Miguel choreographed and directed some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. Mm. So I think uh, the possibilities are endless. Mm. Um, uh, still, I, I think they should uh, pay very close attention to how they want the story to end mm-hmm. and begin with the end in mind. Okay. And I think that's all. That's going to be They've really done helpful. That apparently. Yeah. So um, no grasping, no wondering. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Which so I really... think that's going to be good. Yeah. I'm particularly excited about Matt Smith. Oh, as David um, is. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about energy. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just so charismatic, and he's such a good performer. Mm. Um, and I also just hope to see some of the emotional places that where the characters go and what their motivations are so beautiful yeah yeah okay there you go well that was an unexpected uh guest and that's what we'll be doing just after each one we'll whip out the phone because again ray just has as you remember from the earlier reactions uh just some of the most succinctly expressed takes on the material and that's why uh we certainly appreciate it so thank you thank you it feels like like i've stopped you for like a comment on your latest novel (laughs) or something (laughs) i'll see you soon i'm taking them on one of my west westeros walks <laughs> okay, see you soon. Ciao. All right, off into the wilderness we go. Very good. And the adventure begins of not freezing to death, hopefully. All right. Oh, very Westeros indeed, an elevator. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, I'm descending from my eerie, so to speak. I was thinking about this as I uh, drove to work earlier today. My, t- you know, my red car I was like a Targaryen going to work. Yeah, they would just be like instead of like going up to the highest level of the parking lot, they would just fly up, and it would be like a rookery. So, once again, um, I come also from I'm bred on uh, <laughs> uh, Warhammer as well. Um, I am so so desperately in love with. The Bretonians and that uh, aspect of them that they, um, uh, you know, have these Pegasus knights and that they have, I think they call them rookeries there as well. Um, but yes, uh, the idea of dragons and, and saddles and, and, and all of that I've actually hasn't, haven't even really hit me just how dream come through that is component of, um, 
of this show and uh that, that that'll probably derail me completely this idea of being able to watch this show that uh my word um basically it's a dream come true show in so many ways we're gonna have multiple dragons not just the one it is the age truly where they were ascendant the targaryens uh, i think one of the showrunners said that they wanted to um basically portray the fall of rome you know uh, the just before i think ryan put it this way just before the uh the the bloom come coming off the rose and so that's what i can't can't wait to experience as well most certainly so um but yes uh diving on into the timeline we're talking about wattle wattle crescent <laughs> you know if you if i want to take you fully on this journey with me from 2010 scaring the book in camera moving to melbourne working at a steel mill fairing feeling very like ooh, look at me i'm a blacksmith and i'm going to like melbourne libraries and 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 borrowing game of thrones and reading it and getting psyched for the show um then back to canberra and whoa whoa betide um terrible relationship awful i got super derailed but it was a weirdly game of thrones existence it was very intense uh my ex had a couple of horses and so i was like tending stables every day <laughs> um every morning before work my i'd grown my hair out so obviously obligatory longer hair for fantasy series which i think um uh, there must be probably some youtube video saying like why do characters why do um fantasy characters have long hair well it's simply easier to to manage than uh, going uh, to get your hair chopped you know too often i think it just feels it rings authentic to have your hair longer um you know and uh once again though uh, as you know with um the matt smith recent like elf cops some stuff there that david <laughs> was talking about i think the hair lengths have all been authentic across both shows you know house of the dragon and lord of the rings i don't subscribe to the like all elves must have long hair thing and you'll see not all targaryens have like super long hair either um so there's that all right and people have different hairs gosh why are we debating that but yeah so back to canberra and uh terrible very um awful i would say she probably um who knows if she's mellowed out now but uh it was a bit despotic it was um i felt uh, like there was a bit of a tyranny going on <laughs> emotional tyranny and so i was i was bit, consider this folks like all veering towards why I, I really did connect with when i fully did dive into game of thrones as we all did in that sort of 2010 2011 space certainly going to 2012 which is when things really exploded for the series um i was i was like primed for it in my personal life too which obviously you never hope for such things as infidelity which sadly happened to me it was very intense and there was even blood <laughs> there was a she was a very uh, unwell person i think there was a knife that she would there was the self-harming and she then lashed at me and it was it was crazy and there was hospital visits and scratches and it was really it was like it was basically and i i had for the longest time told my fiance ray um different person obviously and i met her off shortly after um, that very intense period of relationship side of things but uh but it was um i, I kept calling it my hbo years i just now realized why as i was very much in tandem with uh, we sat down one of the few peaceful nights as it were 
was sitting down to watch an episode of Game of Thrones, um, she, in the way that she would, uh, create a drama around it, and I think, I think drew some false equivalencies with certain aspects of the show about like, um, you know, you have to be delicate about people's triggers and all that. But uh, there was a a case of, um, without getting too crazily personal, is uh, I'll just put this out there: some people don't. Um, keep as tenets of themselves this authentic uh, and true um, um, you know let's say relationship with like terrible experiences some people overperform it some people gatekeep it some people don't manage it very well to the point of kind of unwarrantedly making other people's life miserable all of this human drama stuff you might be like Albert we're talking about you know a fantasy show here it's like if any of you know the first thing about Game of Thrones, it's like truly not about fantasy. Happens to be the setting, happens to be the world that they're in. But it is about the human relationships and it is about the betrayal and the madness. And it was a time of madness for me. It really was. And, and you know, I felt spoken to when I, when I experienced the series. The first thing that struck me about the show, and it was the um, episode, it's really like first instance, you know, everyone's like their first word, first album, my first recollection was sitting in Torrens in Canberra with this person beside me later only a matter of months later it was over but I was watching this and it was Danny and it was Drogo you know it was uh Carl Drogo and the nuance of what later became this kinship that they found obviously it started very rough literally rough <laughs> uh you know the the rape you know that 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 was unquestionably what was happening there obviously later the the layers of that relationship revealed themselves and she grew to truly love him not out of a stockholm syndrome thing but out of a, a true kinship and resonance with his like pure defensive um and uh feminine honoring masculine like that that was drogo and i still think what happened to him was a tragedy certainly but uh, the layers revealed themselves so it struck me as this um, whereas Tolkien certainly has its layers in some components, maybe on the law side, maybe on the history side, and uh, House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones have their layers too. But uh, certainly I don't think I'd be um, courting controversy by saying that uh, Tolkien, uh, compared to someone like Game of Thrones, creator George R. R. Martin, um, you know, lent his uh, efforts elsewhere maybe more on the language side maybe on the mythology side but but george <laughs> the jersey raised man that he is the the man who is so inclined to psychology and inclined to relationship dynamics and and courtroom drama and and betrayals and unexpected twists and such like that's that's his bread and butter it's what really draws him as well as as well as the the world building so you basically get a double whammy with the guy uh, he has the world-building chops um, of, of uh, Tolkien, obviously not really surpassing him because of that language component, though I think Frommer, I'm not sure, Paul Frommer, he does the uh, Na'vi language, and we have the uh, um, Avatar podcast, which we're hoping to get Paul on. Down the line, we had the guy who created the beautiful font on, uh, um, uh, Josh from the Swell Type, but uh, slowly making our way across all these lovely unsung personnel we'll probably have a chat with some of the graphic and layout promo material people from house of the dragon get their takes and, and go from there but that's that's a tangent 
but yeah there's that authenticity um in all components is what really hit me the language the, the you know it it, it registered it, it it struck me as true that uh that uh, the um that, that that drogo's people would 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 be as brutal as they are and yet they spoke so so beautifully this language which totally came across to me as as true and real and and lived you know it had all that component of grittiness of hbo but then literally no better um uh you know elevator pitch i guess you could say than uh, the sopranos in middle earth very much so and love love at first sight truly there was no there was no part of like oh i i i, I watched it then put it down and picked it up again no 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 i was like all of you when that series hit it was as <laughs> i guess i'll just uh put it uh, as elegantly and classly as i can i did everything i could to get uh, my hands on each of those downloads um it was very tough at the time uh you know being able to to to, to get some of this material um at, at the same time as the us uh things are much much easier now binge we have here is the australian version of uh hbo max they're already ad- advertising it with the the banners and such we'll get it just like um yeah you know the latest uh better call souls and stuff that's all coming out now but back then 10 years ago no <laughs> like actually no it was uh it was much much rougher so um in the edit I, i'll see i i want to take photos desperately but i wouldn't want the interrupt the, the recording interruption so maybe i'll take a photo at the very end but here begins our one hour and a half walk uh where we'll be going across all sorts of different subjects um i'll be bringing up pictures talking about some of the news reports but all of that of course not before we finish our little chronicle here so um watching the series uh, i moved immediately okay so she um the infidelity happened it was awful it was very so much emotional upheaval not not good it's not nice to be cheated on and i was cheated on and it was no no good <laughs> no good very bad so i um uh, you know road tripped to melbourne hung out with parents for a bit um and uh and then made my way uh, to uh, queensland very very fire very like you know the summer isles like just i needed to take a sabbatical like first of all i can't wait to see the summer isles i can't wait to see some of these uh seafaring folk these other lenses onto um westeros which uh we have not seen before or planetos rather uh, thank you to the uh lightbringer folks who introduced me to that term um um so yeah i was i was just astonished i mean it was an anchor after such a tumultuous time like a, you know breakups are never fun never fun folks and uh nothing quite like having that quasi i mean it is quasi escapist really because you're talking about a series that uh contends with the depths of 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 that kind of ultra relatable um dynamics between lovers between uh you know you know keeping faith having being faithless uh, even even angst is certainly portrayed very well in that show so we have these um you know art and storytelling and entertainment shaped friends i guess you could call it um which i'm sure many of us can relate to especially when the material is so strong and speaks to the human condition in, in such a true way that uh 
they go on to become things that we just are able to call upon to use as, as basis for my fiance Ray. She um, discusses this with uh, what she does with the leadership and, and mentoring and, and such. Um, you know, everything and anything that can be used as a basis for discussion, for uh, the, as a launching platform for deeper inquiry or wider ranged or in, further in depth inquiry about oneself and that kind of thing. Uh, it's beautiful and you know when we were watching game of thrones we would pause and talk about tywin and Arya. you know we would pause the episode which we probably likely will be doing might be collating a whole bunch of voice memos for the show down the line but we we found that those instances actually were so additive and so resonant and true that we ended up just getting so much out of just pausing and we did this with the sopranos we regularly do this with rake of course too because it's just astonishing just uh you know for example fatherhood with the with ned and his children um uh it was we we just had a we had a lot to say and a lot a lot to be grateful for and a lot to connect with and um that's kind of how it went so yeah and and the thing is with uh the series to come you know we actually had the viewer's guide back in the day and I actually went to visit the viewer's guide, not there anymore. That's no fun. So hopefully they'll reactivate that and we can fully experience how, because I really loved that, that viewer's guide. It was so interactive and, and hopefully they relaunch something, some semblance of it, because I think that would be very additive. And also, I just want to take a little moment to just say, really do that. I, I suspect if I would have <laughs> energetically be able to put my fingers on your guys's pulses i i'm starting to feel it or your finger on my pulse i'm starting to feel that pure ecstasy of game of thrones like fucking house of the dragon folks like back we go to a song of ice and fire like it is beginning again <laughs> okay it's like it's so cold out here but because i'm stoked and hyped I didn't put nearly enough <laughs> layers on because I just wanted to like launch out into the world and, and start riffing with you all. But that is honestly starting right now, folks. So it's, it's tr you know, and I want, I want you all to also cast off any kind of like shell of jadedness, shell of, you know, uh, caution. Like it's really, from what you've seen of the show, the early reviews from the premiere, um, the earnest, honest endeavor to to really just draw that line in the in the in the black you know dragonstone sand between then and now uh like that's that's happening you, you can you please feel free to allow yourselves to to be excited and and to to to, to step into that you know that childlike um you know very different from childish childlike anticipation and joy and hype I think that's very important to do now. It's it's it's, it's time, you know. We're looking at uh, currently it's you know the eighth. Um, that leaves maybe about two weeks until the start of the show on the twenty first. Uh, it is, it, by the way. I mean, it'll it will be what it makes of itself. Certainly, there won't be any, um, especially not now post COVID as well. You know, people uh, have much much higher tuned and better tuned bullshit detectors. Uh, they most certainly won't, um, you know, die on the hill of trying to sort of convince themselves the show is good. Like we all basically, our baseline line of exhaustion 
as a species like lowered considerably which means that only truly magnificent series can like punch through that to go on to to take up um you know their own place well-earned place in that pantheon of phenomenal shows game of thrones one through five uh sopranos all the way through um etc etc so and true detective season one certainly you know that's you know house of the dragon has to fight a lot um but it will and it feels like it's doing it effortlessly because of the people involved because of the earnestness with which they're tackling this the the lack of jadedness the the insistence on not cutting corners based on uh feeling like well they'll you know the audience are jaded and uh they're gonna not give us a chance so we'll just you know maybe ratchet it back uh you know not put as much into it because as a preparation you know to 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 brace themselves for for um for, for being lambasted or whatever but they show absolutely zero signs of of that sensibility like no sign whatsoever of wanting to coast on their laurels about this and uh, it's very 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 hope bringing they're almost again that dragon ball z reference i guess dragons dragon ball z house of the dragon but they uh they're setting themselves they're, they're putting on even even more um sort of uh you know i guess you would say like the the weight they're feeling that weight and yet they're also carrying it with them knowing that that's what they need to address but then ultimately shedding it and taking flight for sure for sure okay so 2012 2013 i mean you were all there <laughs> you were all there with it we were all one organism weren't we uh, every single week when the premiere had been announced it was this ritual you know my fiance and i was in the middle of uni it was a specific chicken shop you go to the chicken shop you'd get the crinkle cut chips you'd get the beautiful tasty chicken and the gravy and the tomato sauce and then you'd pull up the tiny little uni couch you'd gather around your um computer <laughs> invariably because it was unthinkable to be able to like jerry rig stuff to be able to put it on a screen and you would watch it on the laptop <laughs> generally sometimes often without subtitles um and on 720p whatever but it was it, it may as well have been 4k to us back then it was so exciting to hear that theme strike up you know ramin jawadi returning for house of the dragon certainly um so just take 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 stock of that folks if it was something that generated that much gratitude and that much joy with all those con- constraints you know we didn't have the 1080p uh <laughs> certainly the sound system i mean laptop speakers baby right and often we uh, because ray and i wanted to watch it together um we didn't use the headphones um so we just sort of it was very much those plucky little laptop speakers you know carrying us all the way to westeros all the way to the world of a song of ice and fire the world of ice and fire you know every single episode folks it was um it was a, a, a true like we had we always had a conversation about like that was the greatest piece of art and entertainment I've ever seen like there were regular moments where just the level of human perfor- like performances and writing uh cinematography symbolism you know narrative the plots the twists it was uh it was world class it was and, and then we we loved also the ancillary materials you know the inside the episodes that they would do 
so additive and so uh, immersive to really like feel like okay well we see this episode and then we get the creators you know for i believe they were around the 10 to 15 minute mark conversation with george whenever he would chime in i think later on he just ended up having other other things going on and for whatever reason he petered off with appearing in them but uh season to season um always so enlightening um and then i mean we're talking about me doing uni at the same time so then i would have uni that maybe i would have a not maybe certainly have a complex relationship with (laughs) you know even if it was creative stuff i just was just not connecting with it in many ways but uh i got through it in the end graduated in 2017 fun stuff fun stuff but uh i always could count on game of thrones to to as i almost like realigned myself uh there was other shows you know there was true detective um around about that 2014 mark uh but it was i mean indisputably it just became once again folks remember house of the dragon sorry aha yes i love that love making that mistake uh, but yes game of thrones um was synonymous with quality you know synonymous with like well this can be that and that can be this but we can always count on game of thrones to be good you know and that's certainly what it was um i mean i could kind of maybe like rattle off like i mean there's no end to what i could go into in terms of specific moments throughout that show i gave you the first one which was Daenerys and, and Drogo um, I just love that Cal Drogo Drogon what a beautiful tribute later when uh, the dragons were born um, I love that parallel also of like we're seeing the world when it was brighter less you know obviously I wouldn't call the world of um, Game of Thrones you know seasons one through eight post-apocalyptic in any way but uh, someone was talking about how the Lord of the Rings trilogy if that's post-apocalyptic then that would make rings of power this time of prosperity to sort of witness the height of things the unglimpsed height of things in live action which once again it is truly it truly boggles the mind (laughs) to to imagine that we're we're about to experience both of those series sort of emerging as one and that's a conscious thing there's it's not like they weren't aware that they'd be doing this both of those um premiere dates are holding fast too so no one's budging and um I think it'll be all the better for it. What a wonderful, what a wonderful clash. A clash of uh, titans, I guess you could call it. For sure. Okay. Um, and, I mean, I'll, I'll, how about I just give you, I mean, the Red Wedding, of course. There's no discourse about Game of Thrones where you don't talk about the impact of that episode. Certainly tears were shed and screams, <laughs> you know, uh, erupted from my uni accommodation of like, no, like just collectively. Um, which which saw Ray and I eventually dabble with the uh, reaction uh, stuff down the line, I think, uh, in season eight. We figured we'd chronicle some moments, and it's somewhere on a hard drive somewhere. I pulled them all. Just ended up getting a fair few people who just... Uh, um, yeah, you know, I said earlier about most assuredly, like, feel free to start a podcast. You'll invariably, especially if you're earnest about it, you'll get some fellow kindred, you know, erudition seeking souls like you'll find a good good bunch i'm sure one thing though just be careful with reaction videos is that uh, you'll draw the um blunt demanders crowd like the people who just in the comments are just say nothing and they just demand other reactions to other things and it is so obnoxious and like so rude 
and I just yeah like really put me up put me off the whole thing um so just just be careful you know maybe um yeah maybe certainly don't make your whole channel about it unless that's your thing and uh, that's your bliss you know follow your bliss for sure uh i mean one of my uh right right to my heart characters jora uh we all have done probably the game of thrones like which character are you quiz can't remember if i've done it uh, or if i remember my 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 result but i certainly remember jora um uh, that I mean, he's a bit of a tragic character, isn't he? Like the uh, the unrequited component. Um, but this uh, you know this world weary uh, you know nobleman always connected with him, and um, his scenes with Danny always you know had the old heart going with how much he just was like, well, perhaps in another timeline, perhaps ten years before, etc. You know, if he was if things had been different. And I, I do love their dynamics so truly. Um, you know, some of the uh, uh, White Walker stuff, um, the going to the White Walker castle and and the turning of the child, like that was. I mean, I just I was turning to Ray and I said, "Wait a minute, what is this? Like Jim Henson suddenly? Like we're going to an ice ice palace and there's children being turned to ice?" And I was like, just freaking out. Shout out to Lag uh, Labyrinth Two. Uh, being developed now by Maggie Levinson and uh, Scott Derrickson. Uh, Maggie Levin and Scott Derrickson uh, of Doctor Strange 1 fame, creating the new Labyrinth. Stoked about that. We also have the Labyrinth podcast. So that one's semi, semi-dormant, but just you wait. When things gear up for that one, we're going to dive headlong in for sure. Um, uh, so here's the thing, you know, we talked about Netflix with... Um, I'm talking about uh, James, uh, you know, sorry, Jim Henson with um, with Labyrinth, but then Dark Crystal, that grittiness, that that groundedness. I actually found some of the latter, latter stuff like the house. The, I mean, the Children of the Forest. Honestly, they could have strolled right out of something by Henson for sure. <laughs> um, especially those spirals definitely evoked some of the stuff the Mystics had. Guess what? I actually fucking loved that stuff too. You would have thought it's like well the more fantasy the series was becoming, maybe we're losing some of those, like, you know, um, Middle-earth, you know, uh, uh, Sopranos and Middle-earth people. Maybe they're going to drop off. I was fully on board. I ha By then, folks, and I remember, I, I do think I'm speaking for all of us, we, we truly did trust, which is why the betrayal was so deep. We truly did trust the Double D with when they were, um, you know, veering into that territory of the Three-Eyed Raven and all of that in the latter seasons. Um, Pedro Pascal, which there was a meme, if in the edit I spot this one, of him, you know, after his uh, battle with the mountain, it's uh, Pedro on, on the on the subway, and, uh, and it's like my life after, uh, you know, this is what it looks, this is what someone's life looks like after, you know, um, being <laughs> murdered brutally by the mountain. Um, but he's, I think he's done. I say it's pretty fair to say that his agent sorted him out with like Kingsman and Narcos and a little show called The Mandalorian and then another little show uh, The Last of Us so he, he's all good but uh, I always found his very Darth Maul-esque kind of movements really cool I think it's part of why I know what Wushu is and why when I hear Ismael Cruz Cordova legend that he's going to be in the Rings of Power Arundir the, some of that Sylvan elf capoeira 
so so into that and i'm certain we're going to see a whole bunch of that from uh i think matt smith you know he said that he's like i'm an old codger or whatever but i can really see some trippy intense cool choreography going on from uh from our pal old matt smith yeah for sure it's gonna be good so we're diving on into uh some of my favorite parts of uh this, the old series i mean i mentioned three-eyed raven you can actually hear them right now <laughs> as i say this um it's probably like other kinds of birds but we are on our west Westeros walk and it is dark and we can imagine all kinds of things as we look around us in those bushes to my left ah the children of the forest are listening that is something that you know again tied in we were just talking about um jim henson you know him and uh brian froud keeping that sense of like the magic and the world alive even though it's a very brutal series it's very dark i'm sure as you went along um experiencing it i don't know what the sort of age line is there <laughs> any uh, young parents certainly maybe will get some folks on the show it's like yeah you know i had to that was a conversation my <laughs> my partner and i had to have about okay this is a fantasy series there's some fantasy creatures in there you'd think okay yeah you know the, the kid wants to watch it but oh it's also beheadings and and, and nudity and rape and <laughs> you know some heavy heavy stuff um but uh but yeah i i i certainly when i'm watching it i mean there's there's a sense of wanting that magic to be there and and uh i actually uh especially with some of the latter season stuff i i was like well this is nice you know i i, I love that it's grounded i wouldn't change a thing it wouldn't change how grounded house of the dragon sorry game of thrones ha is with its uh sort of human-centered drama but um anytime i would see in the fringes with with george telling us about the children of the forest or magic of, of any kind in the world and wonder like um i i do i do love that and so because we're in an earlier time um and in a i mean i guess you would say implicitly more fantastical time because of the presence of dragons then that would by default mean that we have a higher likelihood uh, of seeing a few more fantasy-esque aspects perhaps some other fancy like creatures just uh, looked uh, heard the um or watched rather the uh, first episode of the sandman and seeing i mean three two one spoilers but nothing too crazy but um as in not spoiler wise but visually this was crazy the realm of dreams you know seeing these giant pegasi and and, and griffins and 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 you know uh, strange fantastical creatures i would love to see and you know certainly with david talking about some of these very far off lands you know of like purple-eyed lemurs and you know the land of ten thousand tigers and it's like something about house of the dragon is also stoking that kind of excitement of we're going to be obviously focusing on the targaryens uh the uh um emma emma darcy mentioned it being uh, a domestic drama you know and and that kind of oh by the way I, I really do wish i could take a photo because the water is completely still right now and it just feels like i'm looking at basically eternity itself so I'm going to risk it all right now, take a quick pause and take a photo. Let's see how this goes. Okay, let's never do that again. It was so stressful taking that photo and being like, did I just delete the whole episode? Luckily not, thank you to the Anchor app for being extremely solidly well built. But yes, David and other um, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, um, YouTubers and content creators certainly giving little teasers of what comes even 
even after this um, series, which itself is, you know, I guess you have that name association. I think they've been as elegant as possible with integrating the Game of Thrones name uh, into House of the Dragon. I mean, I know like that has a valuable um, stock, you know, to be able to, to have that. So you want to have that front and center Game of Thrones. You want people saying Game of Thrones, but then much larger, three times larger size font is House of the Dragon. Um, and uh, I like, as you can probably hear, again, you can't fake this kind of thing. I'm just stumbling into saying House of the Dragon anyway. Like my body on every level is ready for House of the Dragon to to take its to take that mantle. Um, you know, shout out to uh, the um, different uh, Iron Thrones and uh, seeing um, Paddy Cosadine on the Iron Throne with its like far far greater number of swords. <laughs> And, uh, and and just the majesty of of that visual, you know? I cannot wait. Only two more weeks. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay, so uh, I'm sure you can probably tell what I'm doing. I'm, uh, I'm tarrying. Why am I tarrying, you may ask? Well, of course I'm tarrying. I want to I wanna stay in that good time, folks. I don't want to... Don't make me... <laughs> don't make me remember season six <laughs> and seven and eight. Oh, it's okay. Seven was all right, you know? Tommen leaping out of the window. Some very, very special, intense stuff. Again, we were so poised, we were so ready for it to continue. That's why we had such trust, and I think we judged a lot of those episodes with, no, 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 it's okay. Hey, it's the double D. Oi, these, they, gave, they gave us four good, at least four rock solid, four or five rock solid seasons. Like, you gotta trust them. You gotta trust them. And we just kept saying that to ourselves, didn't we? Didn't we, my dragon kin? Alas is the word. Alas. So, season seven and eight, um, the beginning of the end. <laughs> um, we um, were very fortunate, Ray and I. We, uh, here's what we did. Um, without thinking, we visited the US in the last year before Trump. It's so crazy, we, in 2016. Um, and uh, it was prosperous, it was lovely, it was beautiful. It, uh, there was an atmosphere of, you know, it was a, it was Obama's America. It was just, a, I don't think anyone on both parties, sides of the party line could argue that things were a lot less intense then because there was a lot less, uh, I guess you would say, uproar, you know, um, and uh, protests and, and discord uh, for, on either side of where you stand. Like, it, it is inarguable that things were very very divided after that time. I have a unifying theory about uh, what happened around then. I tend to conflate what happened with Star Wars to also be related to what happened with, um, the, uh, with the Game of Thrones. I, here it is, my hopefully not too half-baked, but uh, I sense that there was um, something that happened in like the Gaia spirit of the world uh, when a couple of things came together. I mean... Certainly, the you know they're positioned as they are, as the uh, you know leaders of the free world and such. With some of that, uh, um, I would say timeline jarring occurrences in that 2017 space. I, I sensed something. I sensed a disturbance, you know, uh, in the in the, uh, in the in the force. I guess um, centered around leadership and like the decisions of leaders. Let's just put it that way. So Ryan was leading. Last Jedi, he made certain decisions as a leader. 
leader of America, leader of the Game of Thrones series. Like you just, if you look at that time, there's a, across a couple of different spheres, not just politics and art and entertainment. You could just pick up on this, these you know bad decisions, <laughs> bad juju. <laughs> okay, um, and you know, hey, lambast away, unsubscribe away, click away. It's fine. We're all free to discuss and free to believe what we believe in. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you know. But uh, but this is part of why we uh, we felt the way that we did, Ray and I. Um, I actually held out hope. By the way, folks, I held out hope right to the very end. I um, I even I guess you could define it as tried to keep a bubble around my head and say, no, 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 it makes sense. Hey, no, this is Game of Thrones we're talking about. That ending. Absolutely makes sense. I mean, it's nature, isn't it? Nature wins. It's Bran, and he represents nature. And and Ray was like, Albert, you need to take that video down. Because I did. I, I made a video at one point. It's somewhere on the hard drive, I'm sure. Deep and buried somewhere. But uh, it was my first, first take. My, what is now clearly, you know, in hindsight, a bit of a self-deluded take on trying to fold season eight into my reasoning. Of, of the show and my reckoning of like trying to integrate what happened and uh, no very shortly after <laughs> I became a, a free folker all the way and I mean I was already a free folker but uh, no fucking kneeling you know what I mean no kneeling and uh, so shouts out to free, free folk great subreddit a lot of what I said earlier about please allowing yourself to feel excited you know it's uh, it's fair it's fair to feel what we feel about season 8 it wasn't Many years ago, though, and it is time to to not uh, allow, you know, those sins to hang over, <laughs> hang over us and hang over the good name of many, many of the people whose names aren't double, the, the double D. Uh, they don't deserve to have that legacy follow them into this brand new endeavor, which again, line drawn in the Dragonstone Black Sand, rebirth, shedding of the draconic skin, birth, rebirth from flame okay that's what's happening now so um but yes in 2019 i think it was just before uh, season eight premiered guess what just like when ray and i went to the u.s we went to dubrovnik uh, <laughs> so we got to experience the last few months right before the end um of, uh, of Game of Thrones' reign, I guess you would say. We were in King's Landing. Uh, we saw the Game of Thrones, uh, you know, gift shops and all that, like that pride that Dubrovnik had of being King's Landing. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we were fortunate enough to, to have been able to experience that literally maybe a month or so before the end. Went back to Australia, saw the series. It's, that's how it's working chronologically in my mind, but basically... I had a tangible feeling of being in Dubrovnik and being like, yeah, Game of Thrones, feeling positive about it, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was all, all a big mulch. And then there was, I guess you would say, a collision, uh, a shattering, uh, shout out to the Elden Ring podcast, uh, co-authored by George R. R. Martin, I'm sure you know that game. We're just up to 22, episode 22 of that one. I'm going to put that one out later this week, I think. Um, See, I am, as you can see, I am, like, doing everything possible to, like, avoid even thinking about uh, Season 8. But it was what it was, and, and, and uh, for me, just as um, Matt Smith is being poised, uh, and I heartily agree, the energy most certainly 
it feels that way and that's hence the podcast art you can see on your player now it's him front and center just as and i'm, I'm gonna say her name is and, and big ups and big kudos to this wonderful human being beautiful inner and outer human being hope to have her on the show one day one of the ice and fire shows or any of the topic podcast network i know she's an author now she created a um, graphic novel but yes amelia clark she was the star to me of game of thrones uh we are ultimately monomythic in our like dna where one person in this adventure of life and even red letter media did a beautiful breakdown of, of why these stories tend to um tend to stay with us and uh it is a flawed character going through an arc and and ending up better at the end and look you can maintain a lot of i don't know they don't make themselves too known they don't speak too loudly <laughs> or nearly at all i don't think but the the defenders of season eight i don't hear from them almost at all maybe it's just we can't handle even trying to go there emotionally many people just downvote them to oblivion so it seems like they don't exist but but they uh trying to say like you know game of thrones was i can i can imagine them at least trying to say it was just being true to its like subversive nature and and then i mean then you're entering the ryan johnson camp of um trying to justify in a meta way like i made this decision with luke so that you felt that discomfort and that's what the universe and the galaxy feels because they feel betrayed and it's all meta and it's like um truly well and truly no i mean it's like saying trying to convince joseph campbell and saying look because of this character going through a trial in this chapter of the book i'm actually going to tear the page of the book so that uh, you understand that when this character is going through this that you you see it on the page like the page is torn and <laughs> joseph campbell would say what <laughs> i mean that is just destruction of property i mean that's just oi like that's not how stories are conveyed frankly you're actually deteriorating and and lessening the uh, the story it's the story's itself's chance of, of surviving the the aeons you know you want an intact page um, another analogy i had was don't break the plate you know please have as much fun with the recipe as you like you know make as varied and as different food as as you can imagine i mean that's the art of of, of the culinary discipline and the culinary art form like it's it's the food that that you create the different art forms of but you don't don't break the plate and tell me that you're trying to do something different i mean there's there's uh i mean think of when and it's usually quite sad <laughs> when in like a movie or something someone's like hmm yeah oh well i i broke this but to but teacher it's a, it's a, now i want you to think of me breaking this as like this was deliberate and it's i mean see how it just registers it's like loser talk it's it's uh lazy lazy and loser i'm sure etymologically connected in some way they might be root words of each other but lazy losers <laughs> lame lazy losers is, is is the big big lame lazy loser energy from season eight with them um, the unthinkable like the the uh complete um trashing of, of the uh the integrity the character integrity uh, making suddenly characters dumb as doornails out of nowhere with very little if any at all justification um or attempt to to fold it into the in-season canon i mean i remember when john basically became like a uh, like a puppet that uh, its batteries were going out i mean he could only say two words two or three words like 
my queen and stuff like that like <laughs> by the end of season eight it was um it was very sad and you know one of the things is you notice in season eight the production quality the cgi the presentation all of it is magnificent and you 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 mourn you sort of cry a bit inside your heart for for those who um put so much effort into every other discipline like the writers like that's those are the people you trust to make sure that your work goes somewhere has some purpose other than existing unto itself for its own sake like that you know all all artists um want to feel like they're adding to a whole of some kind and sadly with game of thrones there was a shattering certainly and i actually mentioned on an episode of the eldering podcast that it just so happens that around about when game of thrones was ending in a bad way uh from the creative point of view from the story integrity point of view miyazaki happened to show up and say hey want to write a story for us what have you got for us law-wise and he i believe he wrote from his core he wrote from his his saddened heart about a world that had shattered uh and specifically that word shattering comes to mind like he is a yeah you know ethan klein talked about this an extre- extremely good breakdown of what happened i mean he's a much more unfettered <laughs> people were saying i'm profane on the on the, the mad max podcast side of things i mean ethan fucking love you mate you know i just i it's he is so un, un, unleashed in that clip online when he breaks down what happened and you can see the universally relatable grief um and then he also talks about like oh he 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 pre he pre-anticipates or rather anticipates that whole argument of like get over it it's just a show it's like no actually no you don't get to say that because some people this show had become something that they uh connected with uh, in a way that and and i'm going to take a mini sidebar now to tell you when you have the attention of the world when you have the resources to tell essentially any story you like when you have a world that is so supportive and would have been so supportive of 10 seasons 11 12 take every single time you need every single make it season 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 um 11 is just five episodes or just four episodes and they're all three hours each or whatever they could have so elegantly so truly elegantly um finished that story and we would have supported them all the way but uh, sadly the greed and uh, <laughs> the vindication uh, the 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 joy i think the schadenfreude uh, of um of them losing the opportunity they they dropped game of thrones for which is star wars as soon as they smelt the star wars they rushed their paperwork uh, they they rushed everything to to wrap things up and by the time they had made their way over to the star wars side of the room they said well we just saw you on your way to our booth you just pushed over like a bunch of kids and you like kicked an old man in the nuts and you like slapped a whole family across the face and you just pushed a whole bunch of people aside just to get to our booth we don't we don't fuck fuck that like fuck you we don't want to collaborate with someone who does that and now they're well and truly pariahs uh even more so than ryan johnson which it's it's ryan johnson with looper and um knives out and i'm so looking forward to glass onion which is the sequel to the light knives out he's an extremely talented female filmmaker and you can tell the double d you know seasons one through five that's that's their equivalent of of a looper and, and knives out like they've proven that's what's so so tragic about it is that 
deep down we know that they were able to tell something better to handle the material better but uh, it was a sad time we had we lost Danny you know um, around about the same time we lost Luke <laughs> uh, and it was sad you know these heroes these uh, monomythic figures and by the way yes we lost Ray as well because Ray also um, became um, a victim her character integrity eroded because that was it folks uh, this potential the potential of these characters two incredible British actresses by the way Daisy Ridley um, Amelia Clark ready to, to really take their take their um, place in that pantheon and I'm sure they will still of course even despite what was done to the like the character assassination you know in a different sense here we're talking about fictional characters obviously but they were so poised they were so ready um, and it was just uh, the most inorganic um, path that they could have taken for those characters uh, and jarring I mean say in your own world say in your own life you're listening to this now someone you really know well tomorrow started acting completely uncharacteristic to who they are what would you do you would drop them you'd, 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 you just wouldn't want to have anything to do with them because you would think they'd gone crazy and look at what double d said like well she's a targaryen that's why she's going crazy and it's like that was never the allure and also never the complete truth of the targaryens that they were crazy i mean a fair chunk of the other seasons was um, exposing how human and beautiful they could be um you know talking about some of the 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 rulers you know certainly we're going to see that in paddy and that's why i think they're really pushing uh paddy cosadine like to to really demonstrate look this is a good man you know um we're not all mad crazy inbred and then like and once again uh think about people who are unfaithful think about cheaters think about um you know abusive people whatever like they'll just pick something and then sh you know warp their whole narrative around it and the the narrative that the double d chose certainly they wouldn't utter the word star wars at all it was all sublimated and they said well this is what felt true to us and that's us you know watching them say that being like poo i spit on your this is what is true for us but because it's not about what's true for you it's about what's true to the character but such as such as it was um they wanted to take that full-blown Targaryens are mad angle. And another component to House of the Dragon that feels like it's directly addressing that component of misunderstanding and of um, tarnishing. Another Elden Ring word, which is something being tarnished, tarnished reputation. Again, the conspiracy continues of uh, the headspace that uh, George R. R. Martin was in when he was writing. Elden Ring as he was getting his he was venting off of what happened with Game of Thrones but uh, certainly that component of humanization and dimensionalization of the Targaryens which is at the heart of House of the Dragon is a direct addressing of uh, the Double D's misunderstanding, mischaracterization and look, oversimplification of the Targaryens I mean, they're addressing that head-on. And, and Miguel, you can see, veiled anger. I'm sure they had to edit around some stuff that he said about the Double D, but uh, in some of the beautiful previews, including A New Reign, which I love so much. Great little preview there. It talks about, uh, we don't just, we, we're not just doing things for the sake of it. It has to make sense within the integrity and the, the authenticity and truth of the characters themselves. You don't just do brand new for the sake of it. You do brand new 
when and if it makes sense for the story being told. And that is their uh, edict. I actually have once said before about how Chernobyl was the regrounding of HBO, the Apology series. Uh, I've talked about an Apology season, season nine. <laughs> go Kit, go Kit. Like I'm just cheering him on as he stealthily tries to make season nine. We're all on to you, Kit. We love you and uh, support you, mate. Get you on one of these eventual episodes. Look, if I was a million people, if I was the eight of me, uh, we have the Miyazaki podcast, for example. We have secular episodes everywhere. Uh, Bloodborne episodes everywhere. The idea is with these sub-networks. So Topic Podcast Network is the over- all overarching one. Then we have a Song of Ice and Fire sub-network. Flea Bottom, uh, Duncan Egg, um, 10,000 Ships, a.k.a. Nymeria. Nine Voyages, a.k.a. Sea Snake, uh, Flea Bottom. They're all waiting uh, for news on those fronts. Uh, we'll certainly at some point need to cover within maybe the Game of Thrones podcast, I guess, um, what happened with the uh, Naomi Watts series. Uh, haven't dove so much into that one. Maybe between seasons one and two of House of the Dragon, I might uh, do a special episode just to kind of debrief on, on what happened there. I think it was Blood, Bloodstone Moon or something. Um, might be conflating that with the... Uh, um, uh, Jason Momoa starring Witcher prequel series uh, also similar name blood there in the title but um, but yes uh, needless to say season 8 um, was an absolute colossal failure and uh, uh, one of the greatest if not the greatest blunder in all of television history in terms of storytelling uh, and the uh, character own goals and you know destruction of what was built and the good faith that was built around the brand etc uh, to the point where we're talking about 2019 uh 20 22 we're talking about a whole full three year you know production hiatus obviously uh the series had been over but uh there's you actually suspect that um uh the people getting ready for house of the dragon even before the uh, premiere of uh, season eight. Um, <laughs> to, to have been a fly on the wall, that's why we're also manifesting in this episode a um, documentary, a uh, full feature-long documentary, hopefully one of many, uh, as well as the beautiful accompanying uh, history, you know, the, the illustrated spoken history ofs, most certainly, um, will be wonderful to dive back into envisioning all of that again starting back up you know accepting i think there's going to be a lot of little nods not in in any distracting or immersion breaking way but i'm certain you know i mean you did have with uh, <laughs> um force awakens you know this will begin to make things right I'm sure you remember that but um i'm actually not opposed occasionally to a, a line or two like that that just sort of riffs on where the filmmakers are at and uh, the idea of starting a new reign, sure, um, I'm sure there will be uh, many of the characters talking about wanting to set new standards. Obviously, we know the plot centers around, um, you know, Otto <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, Emma and, and, and actually, let's wind it all the way back because I've been listening. I'm just about to start listening to the uh, Fire and Blood book itself. Got the audiobook queued up um, somewhere, I'm sure, in the old plans. But uh, 
but this is going to be the high towers and the Targaryens and it is going to be the move that, that, that launches the Dance of the Dragons and it is going to be the beginning of an end in some ways but also the kindling the kindling of a of I mean, what, what we love about Game of Thrones is in many ways the the dysfunction like that 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 that's why we sort of peer into these stories when they're just about you know that's why we jumped into the story of um, ned right before everything went down in season one like i always believe that uh, stories are at their most interesting just just when the shit's about to go down and shit is certainly about to go down in uh, in house of the dragon so we're gonna have um young rhaenyra um <laughs> I, I okay. I need to talk about Rhaenyra. Okay, and uh, I, I'm really, you know, what I'm really looking forward to is uh, some people um, um, with all these beautiful, very, very exotic uh, Targaryen names. You know, people being like, it was already a, a lot to memorize Daenerys with the A E and and you know all of that spelling. But this is going to be full on for people. There's going to probably be some nicknames. So. Um, there you go, um, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Um, I still think Matt Smith, you know, Damon Targaryen, he's the main guy. But Rhaenyra, that's going to be, that's going to be a very, a very, you know, I mean, we, we do know what, what happened with Alison. That's the thing, when you're reading and, and learning about Fire and Blood, you hear about what's about to happen in the series. Uh, however, obviously, I actually subscribe to George R. R. Martin's own school. I'll put the article in the description of this episode, but he mentioned, look, for me, I, I don't consider knowing the plot ahead of time too much of a spoiler, and that might seem crazy to, to hear, you know, the creator of Game of Thrones talk about that. But he did mention, it's like, well, if you happen to have something spoiled from a plot point of view, I mean, you have, okay, that's the plot there, but... Um, seeing how it's executed um, experiencing the work of the craftspeople uh, the music like there are so many things that you can't just write off everything else just because you know the plot right so like there's there's so much more to uh, left to, um, to, to to appreciate and it's in the how that's his thing is like it's how we find out that is that is most important not just what we find out but uh, such as I know, um, such as I know what I know, it's um, Alicent and, and Rhaenyra. That's going to be fraught, <laughs> most certainly between those two, and and across different time spans as well. Which is they're normalizing it fairly early on. The idea of there being these split timelines and telling of uh, you know I, I find um, telling of telling of different stories at different ages. Um, I find that. Uh, it can be quite additive, I think, to, to, to learn the, the origins of certain dynamics between characters. Uh, that, uh, like, oh, when did this dynamic take root? And, and when did they start talking to each other that way? And invariably we find out that, that it's actually their childhoods. The, the, the elements the, that uh, pave the way towards this decision. You know, maybe a betrayal experienced um, in something childlike like child's play you know uh leading to a that same dynamic because it was unaddressed or because it, it was um a pr- again like a prophecy or, or a little a prelude to what would happen later 
seeing what would then befall them in that adult context that's going to be very fascinating to see as well um all right but we're just about up to the present time <laughs> we are now thank goodness we've passed season eight in this recounting and uh the dark times in a, in a way because it was uh the first 12 months after the end of uh, season eight it was very rough um on the brand and on the property and certainly on the community basically all those you know little things and i say it in quotation marks because they're huge in fact they're some of the biggest things that matter most is is the you know not in a sort of always address what the fans kind of way and you had the proof there you had the proof that the fans and the community were completely on board with pivots that made sense like that that's why the books made sense with the red wedding and all these things like um, we were but they took that as their license to be like well people like pivots don't they so let's pivot with this and it's like it's not the pivots they like it's the it's the, the cleverness of how if you really do think about it that that pivot made sense for that character and the surprise and the delight that actually came from again some of these people making house of the dragon who made that pivot work which let you had you leaving your guard down um around um you know let's just take the red wedding right um you um you didn't think you actually didn't think that uh um this uh character talisa you know would would um, have just the most horrendous death in that moment but it did happen and uh boy were we all just smitten as they were i mean that's that's the whole and see that was a meta aspect that did carry over quite well is we were enraptured by them sort of falling for each other and we found that fascinating and and because we were wrapped up in that we actually didn't see the red wedding coming and that's why we were like wait a minute oh my god and it was just absolutely terrifying and and what a delight i mean that's from you know peaks and troughs i guess but it was one of the highest and most triumphant moments in history in in, in film history as tv's history rather right we were we were i mean what what was that like that was just beyond it was just beyond everything it was, but it made sense and, and it rallied us all together and it made us cry and it made us marvel and, and it was just magnificently done and very very um uh, I mean, I would say in its own way, there was a formative quality to what uh, the show did with, um, I mean, every show that came after that was in that vein was like, well, we want to capture a bit of that Game of Thrones, you know, pivot, the, the, the Game of Thrones twist of anyone can die. I mean, it became synonymous with that, didn't it? The idea of anyone could die. And uh, it's so funny that... it. it um, just tying it into dark souls dark souls got this thing after it came out 2011 again the conspiracy deepens or the kinship between these two men it's like they both had this major awakening for miyazaki it was 2011's dark souls and in 2011 game of thrones season one it seems as though that they were just sort of you know how birds you know the i'm not sure what species in particular but they weave we, we, into you know into each other's flight paths beautifully i i'm obviously thinking you know secret of nim the end of that when they're holding that ribbon you know that beautiful sequence if i'm not <laughs> if i'm attentive in the edit you'll see it there but um 
that's kind of how they were going about it and uh, and and for game of thrones it was uh, oh anyone can die it's so brutal brutal and and for uh, dark souls it was like oh man you could die anytime so much death oh it's like the dark souls of this you know and the game of thrones of that so you like united in dark fantasy brutality it was destined to happen and we, let's let's actually go with that i mean that tees us up too uh elden ring <laughs> Which is, is almost like he, George wrote that back then. He said in recent interviews, um, maybe about eight months or so ago, he mentioned, look, I'd already long finished my work uh, on, on Elden Ring by the time this thing, you know, was, is, is, by the time he gave that interview, of course. But yeah, I, I, I've triangulated that to have been him writing of, of his experiences indirectly of, uh, of his loss with... Uh, with Game of Thrones, I mean, uh, he's actually mentioned in the recent panel the caution that he had with with handing House of the Dragon to Ryan and Miguel, uh, and he, he he played up that not played up rather he he emphasised let's say and I think with good cause the language of chill child of children you know like this is my baby you know um, and you want to you want to believe that the ones that you you pass your child on to will look after that baby you know. And so he, he, you can tell where he's at, the space that he's at. And I, I really am looking forward to in about a month or so just to, for George to experience the return of that goodwill towards his creation in the, in the TV sphere, you know. Um, and I'm actually going to make my own prophecy. Why not? We're in an episode of prophecies. Uh, winds of winter? This winter. <laughs> this Christmas. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be a gas? Or maybe next Christmas. Why not? There you go. It's my little <laughs> prophecy with the asterisk. But yes, um, so there you go. Uh, 2019, what happens to happen? Also, the teaser. So one George R. R. Martin endeavor ends and another begins. We see this teaser in July of 2019 for Elden Ring. And uh, just having that, uh, that name, George R. R. Martin, what's going on here? We, we, we followed that path and we, we made our deductions of that world based on Song of Ice and Fire and it kept the conversation of a Soyaf, um, you know, going within that sphere. Different sphere, obviously not related to a Soyaf, but, uh, but we were there, we were wondering, wondering what was going on and kept tabs on old George, old good George. And uh, by the way, little pause, hope you're in absolute perfect recovery, George, with COVID, we're so sorry to hear that uh, it struck you. But we, we are absolutely manifesting your good health uh, onwards and um, from here onwards and, and, and to stay safe all throughout this very strange time which um, feels like something out of a, a fantasy or sci-fi novel for sure. I would say you know, <laughs> global global um, you know pandemic and all that. But yes, uh, people call it the plague sometimes like I don't I don't call it a plague. You, I know you I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to draw a false equivalency for the sake of clickbaity, you know. I recently gave a bit of um, follow the old Reddit post history if you wanted to check, but uh, sensationalized headlines, you know, things like, oh, Amazon ghosted P- Peter Jackson. You do literally one scroll and you'll just see. Yeah, no, like they chimed in, um, they mentioned oh, sending him some scripts, but then they ended up just doing their own thing and uh and he's like well that's totally fine i'm actually looking forward to the series not knowing anything about it because if they had sent him scripts hey he would know you know uh we all none of us know we know the the vague outline 
of the second age and some detailed passages but uh, he truly is now grateful that he didn't get those scripts so but see how i just said that no one i mean my jaded part of me believes no one wants that <laughs> uh the jaded part of me believes that we've become a clickbait economy uh rage rage baited rage fish you know because there's clickbait and then click fish and please don't feed that machine folks try and get them to to work harder for your click and your attention is uh anything which uh, looks like it's trying to start a flame war in the comments um don't just be made uh, we're all made of water you know that that truth you know, some people out there insist on being made of headlines so that their constituent matter is just constantly staying on the on the surface so just nothing ever really further than just these uh sensationalized uh um you know attention grabbing passages that uh very much 90% of the case are purposefully uh, inaccurate and uh, omitting of certain key parts of, of the story simply because they're thinking on that very you know instant gratification level of just wanting your click and they don't care very little in fact maybe they only stay as close to integrity as as, as is needed to qualify as news but it's Let's not delude ourselves. A lot of these news outlets aren't really news outlets anymore. They're just uh, click bins. So, but uh, that's the old jaded side of me. I, 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 I'll, I'll leave you with this on that topic. It's just get them to try a bit harder. Like, don't click. A lot of it comes down ultimately to you experiencing the art, the storytelling, the entertainment unto itself, unto yourself, and then going from there anyway. And I tend to say having varied interests actually stops you from zenning in and, you know, drilling into something, to one thing too much, to the point where you're like haunting that community, maybe getting, uh, I guess, gatekeepy or anything like that. Like there's so many, so many better things to do with your time than to die on hateful hills and stuff like that. And um, a lot of people were directing that uh, towards Game of Thrones' way in the intervening years. I think Elden Ring actually helped in some ways, uh, act as a mediator, you know, preserving and, and uh, you know, George's uh, name with the, this excitement attached to one of his projects, right in the middle of him weathering that um, fallout after season eight. And um, I think he weathered it very, very well. Um, and so beautifully, as I mentioned about uh, the art itself being what it is, well, the key part of that, which we're seeing some great projects do. Dune did this, God of War 2018, and it seems God of War 2022, you know, Ragnarok is doing this too, is the, the sacred bubble, the sacred um, 90s, 80s slash 90s bubble of making this thing in, in a vacuum, just following timeless storytelling, like the Double D, for example, like, they truly didn't need to see people being like, be, be careful with the story, uh, be mindful of the character, they didn't need to see that because they're learned storytellers they have endless books i'm sure they have their experience um they have what is the true language of cinema to count on like it's not the audience's responsibility um to keep these creators on track and for example like one anomaly a little bit could be considered the sonic remodel but once again i think if there were enough decisions made prior to that uh, rushed trailer that uh, that would have been addressed early on 
by the creators. So this uh, notion of outsourcing the quality, outsourcing the responsibility of the quality of the product to the public is a trapping of the instant gratification era. It's a trapping of, um, you know, laziness. And we don't want that lazy, do we? We don't want that lazy loser speak. We want to stay as far away as that is possible. And the way to do that is to basically make it so that, well, you're in this issue. You're, this is you. This is your project. You need to create your way out of it. This is your narrative problems, your character design issues, your creature design. You know, Ryan's talked about all the dragons. He's had fun with mentioned, teased it even. Some of the dragon work, dragon design work that uh, won't even show up in this season. So that uh, that is also very exciting. But needless to say, back in the 90s, back in the 80s, they just, you had to lock yourself up and do the work. And you had plenty of resources because you've had hundreds and hundreds of years of how to write a good story. It's all there. You don't need the public to tell you that. They'll just, you know, you, you open yourself up to that. Well, you'll have lots of rage. You'll get very sad and you'll get very distracted, certainly. So uh, Ray and I were talking about... Uh, it's not even a conspiracy theory, is that there was a big shift, similar to the 2016, 17, 18, well, specifically 17, 18, 19 uh, year, you know, of uh, my thing about leadership I mentioned, but with, uh, you know, f- stretching further back, the birth of the smartphone, well, I, I've timed it actually, folks, to round about when we just had this black rectangle that we just we could just divert that would divert attention away from writing room focus from audience participation focus it all began to foster this erosion of the attention span and the rise of the instant gratification right um and um and the compromising uh, as derek acosta from mega 64 put it the end of the good things he's like we are in the, we are in the post good things era and he purposefully was keeping it as unfiltered and real and yes openly jaded as possible he said look it's easier to make a good trailer for a bad product than it is to make a good product a lot of studios count on that and they you know marvel i won't outright call them bad i'll just say that they've taken a very cookie cutter and uh conveyor belt filmmaking kind of approach with many of their projects but we're sk- we're skirting that way we were at least and I truly believe Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, and then ultimately, oh my God, Avatar in December will be these big art, entertainment, storytelling shaped symptoms of the change. Symptoms of what we were basically nudged by the universe to do during COVID. It's like, well, we're actually going to put you in actual orbs, actual silos or greenhouses. You know, like you have to stay inside this dome of you have to stay indoors, you have to retreat back, you know, and focus in and and knuckle down and, and do the work. And so I quite liked um, the effect of the pandemic in that way, where it uh, basically gave people to the time to work harder and find more faults with, with their work and, and fine-tune things better. Um, you know, some productions that <laughs> clearly didn't have that effect uh, and it shows you how strong this spirit of uh, better to make an easier better to make a good trailer than a, than a good product i mean D- dominion you know i i'll have it said now it's why there hasn't been an episode of the jurassic podcast 
since I saw it is because I think it was a perfect symptom of the opposite of of I mean Colin mate locusts like man you're such a, a cool guy in interviews and, and uh, there were some aspects to the first film I really enjoyed and you seem like such a nice guy safety not guaranteed loved that film but mate um, the energy of well the brand full stop yep the brand it's fine just uh, get as many dinosaurs in there as possible and uh, you're good I understand folks there's cynicism out there oh will they do that with House of the Dragon yeah is it just going to be it's all about once again my fiance says this where does it come from so where is the, you know, um, for example, this dragon, Caraxes, you know, uh, his, um, his anatomy, his, uh, his general look and vibe, is that, where is that motivated from? Is it from real world feasible, ha- ha- how um, James Cameron would probably put it, like morphology? Is it, uh, are you designing this creature as a real living thing? Or are you designing it just to sell toys, right? See how there's a difference in where each of those things came from. And then here's the here's the thing that'll bake your noodle, as the Oracle said in uh, the Matrix. We also have Matrix podcast, but anyway, um, here's, this, here's the thing is, and it's tied in, you know, Matrix WB, Dune WB. I'm about to talk about Dune. You know, the and and I guess. It's not WB, but start, but uh, Jurassic Park as well. What those three had in common, and I'll I'll focus specifically on 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 Dune is uh, art as commerce and, and Avatar as well. It's it's making so basically on dos. Like why not both? You you make this creature, you design this thing, you you this character development, this whatever. As long as it felt like it came from the from the natural logic of that world. It will invariably become cool, and guess what? Then, as a byproduct, sell the toys, right? So it's like we get to have both. We can have both. One takes a bit, teeny bit longer, maybe a bit more involved, a bit more effort, but you make the good thing. You make the beautiful art, and I mentioned this in in some Dune material. But the art buster, you know, the the blockbuster led from art, so that art becomes the commerce. Like I want to ah, start putting that word out there. David as well mentioned and the, the connective relationship that House of the Dragon has to Dune. He says it will do what Dune did for sci-fi. It will do that for fantasy. It is this truly immersive, art-led project uh, that uh, truly has a reason for existing. Is telling its story as a, as a, as a, it's, com, it's compelled to exist by its creators by itself it, it, it found its way it, it burrowed its way out into the world because it had to uh, and every single person involved crew cast anyone I've I've um, you know as I've been doing my research listening daily <laughs> often you know David shouts out to you you mentioned you're going to do seven straight dragon videos I think in the last seven days of the wait well shouts out and goodwill to you but in that immersion as I go through all this material um, this is lovely, I can't remember his name, but he's a gardener, he's like a, he does gardening and Game of Thrones stuff in House of the Dragon Analysis, shouts out to you, we'll get you on the show down the line, but all of these outlets and then the creators themselves, you can hear their interviews and they all seem to be on that same wavelength of this needs to exist, this should exist, this must exist. 
and uh, that brings us you know after Elden Ring having this beautiful I mean Elden Ring very similar they share blood don't they these two projects House of the Dragon and Elden Ring literally same blood that pumped through the veins of the creator of House of the Dragon George R. R. Martin is the same blood that pumped through the creator co-creator of Elden Ring right and both of those shows or rather both of those projects have a, a feeling of I must exist like this has to be you know and the distilled feeling of Elden Ring is is really something to, to behold the idea that this was the only version of itself that was ever going to exist like this is the distilled uncompromised I call it the Willy Wonka effect like you go disappear make the thing and then emerge and that's very much House of the Dragon as well and um, that brings us to now after playing Elden Ring last year uh, or rather the start of this year <laughs> it was uh, heartening to say the least we're in a space of positivity now and uh, in relation to the walk we're about 20 minutes away from home as well we have gone all the way around one half of the lake Hopefully you don't have too many cars in the background <laughs> obscuring what I'm saying, but uh, walking along the highway now back home and yeah, I mean it has been a journey, hasn't it? I mean we're 14 days roughly or so to the premiere of the show and uh, every single day I wake up and I see a new headline <laughs> and it's very heartening indeed. Uh, new photos recently released of... Uh, the high towers, you know. Um, David broke this down on his on his stream. I'm just I'm just on the verge of being able to really crack that uh, streaming thing where I can basically broadcast my entire desktop, so then I can get people jumping in on the call and speak to some of you. You know, I want you to reach out. I'd love to speak with some of you. That's the whole idea. It's uh, I guess you could call it public access. I actually wear that with pride. We have. Um, the Wayne's World podcast <laughs> so that phrase public access is like a badge of honor um, down the line when we streamline things even more maybe by about episode 10 or so for this one we'll be able to pull maybe even pull people in from the, the discord you know still working through that it's all going to be done through some combination of OBS uh, you know I finally cracked OBS with Lord of the Rings it was the first OBS as a verb, obs episode that we did. Uh, an episode called Find the Light. We're encouraging people to stay positive, keep perspective, and have patience. Those are my three favorite Ps. Positivity, positivity patience, and perspective about these projects you know, that really, really benefit us when we, when we show that, despite how many of these creators... Yeah, I mean, it went to their head, I guess you could say... You know, they, uh, they took leave of what was originally great about the thing they were working on. But what I do love and I really hope is, uh, you know, George R. Martin, was, we was talking about what makes a good king. And he said a good king is good at the boring stuff as well, you know. It's not just all flash. And guess what? A lot of the boring stuff has to do with uh, laying the roads, you know. Making sure the fundamentals of the thing are in place. Because if you are just flashy and you stay on the surface, then the foundation erodes. And uh, as we have as a case in point, 
right there demonstrable i mean it'll be taught in screenwriting schools uh the 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 great fall of game of thrones and the the you know the great fall and rebirth of the game of thrones on on the small screen which is uh, a misnomer now i mean these are huge screens now at home we've got the 8k 85 inch with the surround sound just waiting thirsting for house of the dragon later this month um that uh what's the word i mean you can say but that uh solidity that's what i'm feeling now about about game of thrones for the first time in many many years um that the first cracks by the way of of wavering i mean i think they happened around season five-ish i mean I, to be really brutal this is you, you enter that discussion of the star wars people will say hey the earliest problem people had in a real way with, with uh, star wars was um was Return of the Jedi, you know, <laughs> was the Ewoks. And if you want to be brutal, then I would say a lot of the Bolton stuff, I mean, I, I wavered a bit with the Bolton stuff, you know, um, uh, with, with those early seasons. Um, overall, mostly solid, those first five. You know, I, I'll just call them the original quintology. <laughs> you know, we have the original trilogy with Star Wars. For me, that's the OT uh, OQ, I guess, original quintology or pentology, I suppose, for um, for Game of Thrones, like five solid good seasons. Solid. There's that word again. Um, now that we have this, uh, I mean, it's going to be held up to the series for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's what Double D gave the quote-unquote gift of to the, anyone doing anything with a Song of Ice and Fire. Is like you will always have that in front of you, and and you'll always be reminded of it and it's who knows that may end up uh, obviously it shouldn't come down to constantly being reminded of it but uh, it should again I truly believe I'm a proponent for this self-willed component of you know you're the artist you can do the work I believe in you you know do the work you've got this um, yeah you got it do it and that's what I'm basically manifesting for the creators of all a Song of Ice and Fire projects going forward is that they, they understand, look, um, this is a, a truly, I mean, it is a living, breathing world at this point. You know, George has made and is making to his eternal good health, by the way. We salute him now. Enough material to really basically continuously tell stories in the world of ice and fire forever. And that's how I hope it goes. And now you know... <laughs> Why I take so many Westeros walks. We're just coming down the hill now. And why there are so many Westeros... Um, a Song of Ice and Fire shows in the wings. Where we're going to be also down the line manifesting the eventual... Elden Ring level, Elder Scrolls level... Song of Ice and Fire story. I think uh, the uh, Hogwarts Legacy effect slash House of the Dragon effect... Um, of, of the restoration of goodwill towards a brand, towards a property, towards a world will, will occur. I will, I'll say the House of the Dragon because I think even more, once again, bringing it full circle, uh, this notion of burning away, you know. Hogwarts Legacy has, has this, this allusion to like the legacy of what you want to leave a positive legacy, sure, and, and tapping into the, the earliest legacy of, you know, Hogwarts is where... We can all agree that's home for that and then hopefully they go international as I desperately want them to do 
I think uh, Anglophilia is a bit of a problem <laughs> often. I love the idea of, go of going wider and, and, and that's why May These Dragons seriously soar us too heretofore undiscovered regions of the world of ice and fire. I want to see crazy apes and tigers and strange creatures like we hadn't seen even the faintest glimpses of in Game of Thrones. Burn it all, but then reforge it. You know, with that beautiful imagery of forging swords anew out from the makings of, like, ice, you know? What a beautiful image. And if we were to tie it in, we'd have some game, we have some God of War stuff happening with the Norse worlds of fire and ice. You know, fire and mist, I guess, to be mythologically exact. But those two combined created the world of the Norse myth. And certainly Norse myth has its place, both for uh, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire, you know, and Elden Ring. And we are seeing a melting of the ice of jadedness. What I'm also alluding to with this flame of rebirth, right? That's what we're seeing. I'm sure you know. That's what this episode, you know, Reborn from Flame, is, you know, has, is, but also has right now as we tail things off as we get back home, really hitting on. So, so there you go. More positive, more like, like an, an, an emblazoned heart, bla blazing a new trail, bla fire, joy, blood, <laughs> revelry, celebration, blood in the veins again, blood returning to the, the corpse, fire in the heart again, so fire and blood, these words wor work on so many levels for us, don't they, with this time, for sure, and that's not overanalysis, it's, it's just true, it's right there, and believe me, I know overanalysis, as I did a lot of Kojima episodes, and I still think... The exercise of, uh, of lateral, you know, uh, alternative, I guess you could sort of say. It's, it's always what I love most is you'll have certain takes from certain angles across the other outlets. But I just, I love incidental, even inconsequential, uh, more sorry, non-deliberate symbolism from, from certain angles. It just, it just really enlivens and enriches, enriches any material for sure so keep that in your hearts now as you go into the rest of your day fire and blood in that sort of brutal ah like yes let's go kind of way but fire in the heart and blood in the veins again of, of what this now i would say rejuvenated i mean that's what it feels like doesn't it a rejuvenated once frozen once dead corpse <laughs> you know coming back to life but in in a way that it will honestly, I truly believe, it'll make Game of Thrones, you know, it just, it'll, it'll just settle that onto its shelf where it is, and that'll be what it is, but I, I just think it's going to make Game of Thrones, like, not look like nothing, but certainly look like uh, the series that it was compared to this. This is being done with so, so much passion and so much insistence and obsession with detail and, and you know, blazing trails, but but also keeping those tenets of timeless storytelling and, and myth-telling, you know? Humanity-telling, I guess. Keeping those foremost in their sort of ethos and creative edict with this series, you know? So, but yeah, for sure. Which, um, speaking of edicts, I'll give you the edict of the show. That tails us off 
for the recap. We're just coming up to the end of this one, but as we take our last steps back to the Erie, here in Canberra, Irie, I guess you could say as well, um, I want to give you an outline of, of what's to come. So, every week, Ray and I will sit down and watch the episode. The phone goes on, uncompressed audio. We'll have some nice sound padding there. None of the atmosphere of what you've been experiencing here on the road with me. Um, I might even, at some point, maybe hook up the Elgato there if I feel like it. Um, but otherwise, it's just going to be us on the couch there, really just breaking down what we thought of each scene. And just that immediate visceral reaction. Those will go up as uh, audio only, right there on the spot. Um, in terms of post-editing, I always can't keep myself from adding extra things in the video version. Um, but that will just be post-shows, Ray and I. Uh, if for any, any reason um, we're unable to watch them together, it'll be myself. Um, and then uh, that's the immediate couch post-show, which will be preserved right then and there. Uh, then in terms of right after that, um, there may sometimes be an extra post-show, like an appendices post-show, uh, which I... Um, you know, between the uh, episodes, jump on the Zoom with the traditional video setup with uh, the likes of David and Girl Nettles, if uh, she is so willing. Uh, Grey Waste Tim, who those three, by the way, are the um, dragon riding team of David's post-show analysis um, and discussion uh, format of, of video, which he'll be releasing. So, and best of, best of good fortune for him and her and him as well. Three incredible Planetos scholars right there. I wonder if you, <laughs> uh, you reckon I've been doing good, doing well at uh, masking some of the cold out here. <laughs> it's crazy. As I said, like the fire and the blood, that's, that's helping me through this for sure. But uh, cold, cold night, but uh, soon... It's so crazy. Another layer to this I had to mention is we're just coming up to warmer days here in Canberra. Um, that's also a bit of a meta thing that'll, I suppose, be happening as we settle down into this show. Literally, the days will, will become warmer and hotter. Hot like fire, for sure. Um, but outside of the, the um, review shows, uh, maybe even in segments, uh, whether they'll be you know, broken out in the edits, sometimes I like to have fun that way with them or whether they'll be dedicated episodes, but uh, I like to do these things called podcast rituals. Nothing sinister, I assure you, but it's me on a podcast basically saying, look, let's make this thing, let's make, let's will it into existence. And there's a couple of things for me with, with um, Game of Thrones. You know, they have a couple of series, you know, getting, getting ready. It sounds like a lot of them are the kind that would be able to, uh, and I, I mean this from love, but yeah, like reuse a bunch of sets, you know. Um, you'll have the flea bottom scenes um, from House of the Dragon, where you'll be able to use those sets for the flea bottom mini series, I'm sure. Uh, you'll have Corliss. Uh, you'll be able to tap into his story for the Nine Voyages, all those costumes, etc. You know, we're going to be. It, it's very much what Disney's also availing themselves of with Andor, which I'm very looking forward to. Nothing like a series where the creators like I hate Star Wars. My wife hates Star Wars. So let's make a series which is basically just extremely stripped down and grounded, essentially World War II story about uh, trying desperately to um, fund the resistance secretly, Schindler, 
Schindler style, you know, from behind enemy lines. Like that's uh, that's beautiful. I'm looking forward to that, you know. But nevertheless, that's also a series where we're talking about being able to share sets and share assets, etc. That's fine. So what I'm going to be manifesting because someone has to. I, I mean, I feel I'm compelled. Again, we follow these things that compel us to do so. Um, I want to be talking about those far-flung areas. You know, I'm talking and um, far-flung errors. So errors and errors. Okay, so the land (laughs) of a thousand tigers. That is a name, don't you think? We have the House of Dragon. The House of the Dragon, that's an evocative name. But the land of a thousand tigers... You know, doesn't that sound like it? Like you want to be coming across that, don't you? On your HBO app, down the line, you want to be fully immersed in, you know, a Volantis story. You know, tigers and tigers and dragons and lemurs. Like that's what I'm talking about. I, I would love to see something like that. You know, the tigers of, of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, by the way, again, I mentioned you'll never, ever get rid of that name in association with the brand. That's totally fine. Uh, Wizarding World as well. Um, you, um, that's, that's affixed. You might have Hogwarts Legacy Rise, that name. Uh, sorry, Harry Potter, I suppose. I would love for it to just be all under the one banner, Wizarding World, but... Uh, we don't control, we don't get to control which part and what name we like to go and call something by. Game of Thrones will always be connected um, with these stories, for sure. So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm also a big Varsoom guy and I'm manifesting them to get our white apes and stuff back on the screen, get some truly crazy exotic stuff going. So um, that's what I want to see, right? I really, really do. So, like, the, Bra- the Sea Lord of Bravos' menagerie, you know, you saw tigers. Um, I, I, I want to see these the incredible, incredible far-flung regions, you know, the great apes. Um, we're having, it's so funny, we're doing Who Has Balls, um, upcoming Planet of the Apes stuff. I wonder if we're going to have, like, an apesance, where it's, like, right when <laughs> Planet of the Apes is coming out, then uh, this, uh, per, you know, hypothetical series I'm talking about, about going to, like, the exotic corners of the Game of Thrones universe, the got, the Gotiverse, whatever term we'll be using to kind of condense everything down, um, just so that we can kind of gather it under the one banner down the line. Um, it certainly looks like that that's what's going to happen, and, you know, I am fully supportive. Um, we've experienced, you know, Stranger Things did marvelously in, in, in proving that even latter seasons with this streaming culture, they also did create that protective bubble around themselves when they made that series. I'm more hopeful than ever. You might think, oh, well, he's pretty old school. He might find streaming, um, you know, to be uh, something of a jadedness trigger. Not so. Not so at all. So that's that. Um, <laughs> I would like to combine these two. I'm about to talk about the second one here. But uh, I mentioned, I alluded it to it before. I'm talking about an incredible five-plus-year production open world, maybe even like PS6, PS you know, Xbox series, you know, whatever the next one's going to be. A Song of Ice and Fire role-playing game. I'm talking be anyone, do anything in that world. Adventure anywhere. 
we're talking photoreal. I'm, I'm really, really not messing around, folks. Avowed, even Elder Scrolls 6, they'll look like games compared to this, you know? So, and I was going to say, so, Leng, okay? So the Plateau, Plateaus of Leng, <laughs> that's a H.P. Lovecraft thing, I think. But uh, whatever that series ends up being, I would love, in this one, obviously, you, may, you might maybe buy 20... 31 <laughs> something like that whenever they, they say hey it's been 20 years since game of thrones and we finally made this photoreal rpg where you can literally wake up and and, and choose your character do that basically photoreal character creation and uh, you're born and you go through your childhood and you can become an adventurer in leng and you can do all these things which who knows by then we can maybe break out of this thing that video games have of needing to follow certain parameters maybe we by then we'll have made something where we can break through and break past those parameters to tell a truly open story yeah no no better <laughs> note to end this on being so being, being being that i am so engrossed and enamored and invested in um in the interactive side of things because i i truly do believe as kojima mentioned there's going to be a transmedia um, revolution very soon and uh, who knows, we may be uh, watching a Game of Thrones series and, uh, and then be able to click a floating button and say, you know, enter the game. And suddenly you realize you can um, dive on into, uh, maybe there's like a seamless transition into a scene from the end credits and you can start playing. You know, who knows what awaits us with all that. But anyway, folks, it has been wonderful bringing you all into this uh, new um i guess you would say hearth you know on that theme of fires crackling this new hearth that we have here that we're going to be gathering around every week when the house of the dragon comes out and but being that this is and it's very special for me the first um a song of ice and fire podcast that i've recorded a long time in the coming long time in the making since it's so kindred to me um couldn't have hoped for a better subject matter to, to engage with and, and to launch off from. Speaking of which, launching off of, we take flight now into the rest of my evening and wherever you happen to find yourself the rest of your day. So until next time, everyone, bye for now.